Good morning. This is Brad Furlan, your Monday host on Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV here in historic Waterbury, Vermont. We were talking with uh, Brigadier General Henry Harder, Jr., Air National Guard, and Chief Master Sergeant Dennis Mercier about 9-11. And one of the things that uh, General Harder said to me after uh, we got off the air was there was an incredible amount of generosity from uh, merchants around Chittenden County when 9-11 happened. They were bringing food to the base, ice cream, um, all sorts of things just to support. It was really a community uh, greatness, I would say. Uh, so uh, kudos to all those businesses that uh, pitched in, in in the hard times. Uh, I want to remind listeners that at 1030 today, we're going to have an open line segment from 1030 to 11, where if you have memories of 9-11, if you have somebody you want to share about, maybe somebody you lost or where you were, um, the phone lines will be open, 802-244-1777. We'll, uh, we'll talk more about the event and, uh, and what your personal experience was. Now I want to um, go to the phone lines, our... Good friend, uh, AARP, Elliot Greenblatt, um, returns on our, our monthly chat. Welcome, Elliot. Good morning, Brad. It's good to be with you again. Well, it's great having you. And uh, you had uh, the phone lines uh, lighting up like uh, no tomorrow last month. <laughs> so <laughs> we were getting, uh, we were obviously um, educating but striking a nerve on things that were happening. So I want to remind listeners as Elliot and I talk for the next uh, half hour, you can join the call if you've got questions about what we're talking about or, or whatever, 802-244-1777. We welcome your calls. Uh, so um, today is 9-11, Elliot. We just did a whole segment with the Air Guard about that. Uh, is there – please tell me there aren't, but I suspect that there are. Are there scams around 9-11? You know, the, the sad part is that there are criminals out there who know what's happened in this country. Uh, they put it on their calendar, and then every year about 9-11, we start seeing scams that are hitting people. Uh, usually there are things that are done to benefit the victims of 9-11. So fundraisers, uh, special services, Things like that, uh, usually couched in language that, uh, you know, this is something the government doesn't provide for these people who have suffered. And as a result, uh, because Vermonters in particular tend to be very generous and want to help out, uh, people end up being trapped by these calls. So we, we try and alert people, you know, when you're, when you're getting the, the call about some charity, or some organization, in reality, these organizations, the real organizations, are not making phone calls or sending text messages out. Uh, so be very suspicious. Uh, you can check these things out. If uh, somebody says they're a charity, you can go online to an organization called Charity Navigator, and their website actually reviews charities about how good they are in getting the money to 
the people they claim to be benefiting, and also how open the books are. So check out the charity before you make a donation is our constant recommendation all seasons of the year. It's quite remarkable what you said, and we were just talking about it a little bit earlier, about how uh, generous Vermonters are. They pitch in in 9-11. was just talking about the fact that Local businesses were were giving free food away, and of course, in the flooding, we saw that too recently. But on the other side of the coin, they're being extorted by these scams, which is so horrendous. Uh, it's it's hard to make up, Elliot. Yeah, the uh, you know the criminals out there, and I don't try to you know soft pedal what they are. They are criminals. We can call them, you know, the these guys or anything else. But uh, they're astute, and they're very much aware of what's happening in the news. So when there's flooding, when there's an earthquake, such as the one in Morocco a couple of days ago, uh, they're right on the horn to try and find a way to make money out of it. Uh, the recent flooding, the storms that hit Florida, and around the country, uh, one of the side effects of those is that there are a lot of car dealerships who are sitting out there with cars that were damaged by the flooding. And basically, they're, they're not worth very much. Uh, and either, you know, they make their way through the, uh, the, the auction market or through unscrupulous dealers. Uh, into the, the stream of vehicles that are headed into New England. So what we're seeing are, is evidence of flood-damaged cars uh, where somebody knew they were flood-damaged, but purposely, in a way to try and make some extra money, moved them uh, into another part of the country. So we need to be aware of the fact that you know, there are people doing this. And this is a time of year when people... Sometimes look at, you know, winter coming, and I don't know if the car can make it. Uh, maybe it's time to get a new car. And, of course, the, the new car dealers are out there pushing new cars. So uh, it kind of brings a confluence of all these emotions and issues together, and people need to be very much aware of what the vehicles look like if they're out on the market dealing with them. So might this be like through Craigslist or something like that? Just uh, how how would they be marketing them to Vermont consumers? Uh, they could show up at legitimate auto dealerships. Uh, a dealership relies on the honesty of their uh, supply line. Uh-huh. They also will do do uh, you know due diligence in determining whether the car is something legitimate or not. But things are uh, sometimes missed, and that's probably the biggest fear. You see a car, it looks brand new. Everything is in good shape as far as what you can see. The reality is the dealer locally was uh, tricked into accepting this car and has put it on the market, and you're the one who's going to end up with the car. Wow. Um, okay. Well, buyer beware on that. Uh, and certainly we have some great car dealers here. I'm sure that hopefully that's not as prevalent as, as it could be, but, uh, it, it sounds like it does happen. Well, it also comes up 
you know, in social media where somebody says, I have this great car, I need to get rid of it because I'm moving to another state and I can't, or moving out of the country, uh, and they put it up on one of the social media sites. So it can be seen that way, too. And is there an admonition about if it sounds too good to be true? Uh, maybe it isn't. Uh, I think that's always the case with fraud. Uh, they will try to make the, the, the situation look like you're getting a fantastic deal, and as a result, you, you bite, and you end up afterwards finding out that it wasn't such a good deal. Yeah, we're talking with uh, our good friend from AARP, Elliot Greenblatt, who uh, on a monthly basis joins us and talks about uh, consumer f- uh, scams, and uh, there are a lot of them. And it, we've talked in the past, Elliot, that it's not just elderly; it's uh, it's across the board. People with social media, as you mentioned, they get attracted to something glittery and. Uh, uh, maybe go after it. Uh, and, and Brad, in the case of these cars, you know, it's not 80-year-olds who are out there looking for a car. Right. For the most part, you know, it's much younger people. So uh, they can be in a rush. i got to make a decision quickly, and as a result, they fall into a trap. Right, because you don't want to lose it. And uh, and we know that the, the market for cars has really gone up in price uh, uh, since uh, the pandemic. So... I can see why that would be very appealing to try to grab onto a car real quickly. We're talking this morning with uh, Elliot Greenblatt from AARP. A lot of scams out there, and, and we, you were talking about social media, Elliot, um, and purchases or gifts from well-known companies seems to be one of the uh, the lures that attracts the fish. What about that? Well, typically would be a text message or an email, and there's an attention grabber. Congratulations, you've won. Or uh, thank you for making the purchase. And that raises our curiosity. We open up the email, and we find out that we're the recipient of a brand-new Yeti cooler. Or uh, thank you for purchasing McAfee. And there's a phone number, you know, if you have any questions, call. Uh, these are attempts to either steal money by getting you to pay for something you actually didn't buy or trying to get your information, credit card information, personal information that might not be readily available. So uh, we see a lot of these, and quite often the, the uh, message even comes with testimonials. Uh, I've tracked some of the, the, the testimonials, and, for instance, there's a woman uh, whose name, according to the testimonial, is Layla Sullivan, and she says, it was so great to have won this, I just took a chance, and I won. Uh, and I've seen that on at least 20 or 30 different items, and she's either the luckiest person in the world, or <laughs> she's a criminal, or the person setting this up is a criminal. So we need to be very careful when we get these notices that we've won something and really question it. And if it's coming from a company you don't even do business with, then odds are it's a scam. 
And what about, I get these, uh, like your account has been charged $380 for, like you said, for uh, whatever, and uh, then there's a link. Is there immediate danger with those links um, clicking on them, or is that just a pathway to the problem? That There is a danger, because the minute you click on a link, uh, whether it's a legitimate one or not, then your information goes out to somebody, the person who owns that website. So they immediately know what kind of computer you're using. They know what kind of software you're using on the computer. They know the uh, details of your computer. They also know where you live. Uh, So there's a lot of information that that single click provides to anybody. Uh, Legitimate businesses use that for marketing. Wow. Uh Yeah. Criminals obviously get a lot of information when you click the link. The two recommendations, one, if you get the phone call or you get the uh, the phone number to call because you say, I didn't buy this thing, I better call them and tell them, don't do it. Because now you're confirming your existence to the criminal and you're providing them with your phone number. Yeah, it's well as exactly what they want, right? Yeah. If you see the link to click, don't click it. Uh, and just simply erase or discard whatever the message is. You're not going to end up with something you don't want. We're talking with Elliot Greenblatt about uh, scams, and, and uh, another scam that you've cited is delivery scams. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, You get a message, and it could be an email, it could be a text message, saying that we're unable to deliver the package. Uh, And you're going, what package? I don't know what package it is. And it doesn't give you any details about that. And it could be FedEx, UPS. It could even be the U.S. Postal Service. If you get that message, just as with that purchase or that gift, don't click on it. Don't call the number. Uh... Typically, these scams are trying to collect information from you and quite often some money, too. Uh, If you get a notice saying, we can't deliver the package, but you need to pay us, uh, that should raise red flags all over the place. Uh, USPS, unless you've arranged for a pay on delivery, is not going to say, we won't deliver unless you pay us. And the same thing's true with the delivery services. Uh, they create imposter websites. So you click on their notice, and it looks like you're right there with the USPS or with FedEx or UPS. And the websites are very well copied. Uh, so don't make any payment. And the thing to do is report the, the attempted crime. Uh, there are a number of places you can report to. One of them is the Federal Trade Commission, ftc.gov, or to the FBI. And that would be I, letter I, number three, I, sorry, IC3, letter I, letter C, letter three, number three, dot gov. And you can report to these federal agencies uh, state agencies don't have much say over what happens on a national level. So uh, anytime you get that notice that you have a, a delivery coming but you have to pay for it, 
just get rid of it. And and don't be quiet about it, you're saying, because we talked in previous shows where people actually got some compensation back because they they pursued the fraud and, and um, they maybe didn't get everything, but they got some. Right. You know, it's, you're not going to get a lot back if you get anything, but report it. That's the critical piece, that if these things go unreported, they're not known to the authorities and nothing can be done to track it. So uh, it's very important to report these crimes so that everybody else has awareness. We're talking with Elliot Greenblatt from AARP, our um, expert on on all of the evil in the world uh, with scams. And uh, if you if you've been scammed and you want to give us a call and just relate, you know, sort of the trickiness of it or whatever, uh, give us a call eight zero two two four four seventeen seventy seven. Elliot, there are. Uh, scams that, um, from what looks like legitimate, uh, utility companies, law enforcement, uh, that they're looking for immediate payment. They're, they're scaring people, I guess. Can you talk about that? Well, these are, are really, I guess, the, the sick end of, uh, <laughs> criminals. They, not that the, the other stuff isn't. Uh, you get a phone call, it's late at night. It's your utility company. Green Mountain Power is calling you to tell you that your power will be shut off at midnight tonight uh, because of failure to pay your last month's bill. Uh, that's going to send a shockwave to the person who gets the call. And the reality is Green Mountain Power and the other utilities in Vermont do not make threatening phone calls. Uh, you'll get letters before anything happens. There's a process. So whenever you get one of these urgent things, uh, you get a call from the uh, county sheriff's office telling you that we have a warrant for your arrest and we're going to be coming to your house tonight if you don't pay, blah, blah, blah. And the usual form of payment, if it's a utility scam, law enforcement scam, is gift cards. Uh, they're untraceable. It may be cryptocurrency that they want. Uh, use Ven- Ven- uh, Venmo or Zelle. Uh, these are untraceable, so it's almost uh, a sure bet that you will not get your money back. Uh, you t- once you hit the uh, send button, the money has been sent to the criminal. So, again, reporting is a critical thing here. Uh, and in this case, report the crime to the Vermont Attorney General's office. Uh, you can reach them, their consumer assistance program, uh, by calling 800-649-2424 or their website, which is uh, by email, letters A-G-O-dot-C-A-P at vermont.gov. And is yes, this information also available at AARP? Can they can people find the, the a scam section for that? Right. You can uh, go online to aarp.org slash fraud, and you'll have more information than you really want to digest. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's a pretty amazing site. 
Uh, it shows you where the scams are taking place, what the scams are. I think there are about 80 different scams identified and described on that website. So a lot of information. The critical thing, educate yourself. This is not a static area. Uh, fraud is always evolving, looking for ways to steal your money and your information. And knowledge is your best defense against the criminals. The other thing you can do, join us. Uh, AARP Fraud Watch uh, in Vermont is always willing to take on volunteers. Uh, we'll train you. You don't have to be an expert. I started doing this about eight and a half, nine years ago. I knew nothing about fraud. I now am kind of scared because of what I know. Yeah. The, the, the point is you can be a, a positive part of the picture by helping others by joining AARP Fraud Watch. You can contact me. My email address is spelled out E. G-R-E-E-N-B-L-O-T-T at A-A-R-P dot org. So uh, money orders, I understand some retailers or, or maybe even uh, financial outlets, they're a little bit more savvy about um, if somebody comes in and says, oh, I need a money order for $800, are, are, are they getting guidance from these, these outlets about w- – what the purpose we've, of the money? We've, yeah, we've actually done trainings. Uh, we have a separate program for uh, bank employees on what to do when somebody comes in and wants to withdraw $10,000 from their account, and it's not part of their usual banking habits, how to approach that person. Uh-huh. Uh, we've also done training with uh, clerks at places like Walmart, Target, um, Walgreens, CVS, uh, places that sell gift cards primarily, so that when somebody comes in and wants to get $2,000 in gift cards, it needs to raise some red flags. And uh, luckily, the uh, businesses have been very cooperative in helping educate people about this. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we've been talking with Elliot Greenblatt, AARP, about fraud, and every month I'm amazed, Elliot, would, <laughs> you, there's something new that you're bringing to us, and uh, you'll be back uh, next month, the first uh, Monday of the month, and um, unfortunately, you'll have more frauds to tell us about, but uh, we really appreciate this. Uh, it's a billion-dollar industry, and you're helping protect uh, Vermonters from losing their hard-earned money. I really thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. Good morning. This is Brad Furlan, your Monday host on Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV, here in historic Waterbury, Vermont. I had a... um, Kind of a rainy weekend. We, uh, my daughter and I are sheep farmers and we were out. We have a, uh, fence that we move around. We do rotational grazing and, uh, 
the we have ten sheep, so they they can graze down an area in a, in a day or two pretty easily, depending on what's out there. Yesterday we were moving the fence to an area that we have never gotten to before, and it was uh, a little more damp for one, so that was tricky. But also the goldenrod and milkweed um, grow in in the meadow in certain places, and of course the milkweed is the uh, home, birthing home to the uh, monarch butterfly, so we stay away from that. It may even be protected, I'm not sure. And the goldenrod is just uh, poisonous to sheep, I believe, and so we avoid that. So we had a fence line that kind of curved around <laughs> milkweed, curved around goldenrod. It looked like maybe having a, a half a fifth of alcohol was the fence maker, and uh, it went all over the place, and but lo and behold, the sheep were pretty happy when we brought them out. Uh, so this morning, the last segment, this is a little unusual for me to do this, but I want to open up the phone lines, 802-244-1777. Uh, we had a um, very uh, thorough discussion about 9-11-2001, uh, how the attack unfolded and how the Vermont Air National Guard responded. And uh, I'm also want to just open it up to if you've lost if you lost somebody uh, during that period, there were certainly um, there were tremendous amount of losses uh, in New York, uh, 2,996 as a matter of fact, and uh, that included people, business people, it included. Uh, Fire and police and rescue and just pedestrians, uh, just a horrible, horrible event. And that occurred not only in uh, New York, it was in Washington at the Pentagon and in Pennsylvania, uh, the airliner that went down. Um, so with heroic uh, people on board, uh, keeping it from making a, perhaps a greater destination, but you can join the call at 802-244-1777. Uh, the first uh, tower attacks was when, you know, people were just watching TV. And I think that uh, there were breaks and, and live footage uh, from different places in New York City uh, showing, uh, you know, the, the tower burning and, uh, people really just not knowing knowing what was going on, and these are the moments that, uh, depending on your age, uh, the sort of where you were when uh, John F. Kennedy was shot, or Martin Luther King, or or Robert Kennedy Jr., Bobby Kennedy. Um, the I remember when I was um, a little boy, my dad talking to me about hearing sirens. If I ever heard a loud, loud siren, I was supposed to go to a certain part of the house that had more cement built into it. And this was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And uh, it was one of those father-to-son talks. It had a different uh, tenor to it. It was, you know, not the toss-the-baseball talk. This was, uh, I understood, I didn't really understand, but I understood that, Whatever he was saying was serious, and he was talking about sirens that we might even hear all the way from Plattsburgh, New York. Uh, we were in Colchester at the time, so um, 
pretty dramatic uh, kind of thing. So if you've got a story, if you've got someone you want to remember, if you want to remember what you were doing the morning of uh, 9-11 and the impacts after that, or, or if you were um, related to a, a guard member or, or somebody who was involved uh, in Vermont or any any type of uh, activity with 911 give us a call 802 244 1777 uh the chronology on on it was pretty frightening obviously the uh the the first tower attack in the morning and and people not really they're wondering if it was an accident or if it was uh or if it was deliberate and you know, first thinking, wow, you know, an, air, an airliner really uh, just went off the mark. And then uh, when the second one happened, uh, people uh, really understood that this was something that was very severe. And uh, and then uh, I, I saw a clip of Senator Leahy saying that he was in uh, – his office or in, in somewhere and they heard that something was, uh, something that happened and they were looking out the window and seeing suddenly smoke coming up. They, I guess they had heard that they thought that the Pentagon had, a bomb had gone off there, but in fact, uh, they were seeing the smoke rise. So that was the beginning of, um, you know, shutting down Washington, shutting down New York and ultimately shutting down the country. Uh, and then the heroics of the, you know, the Pennsylvania, um, American airline flight 77, uh, they were hijacked. Um, they were attempting to communicate with passengers. Uh, a hijacker contacted the air traffic control unwittingly, um, alerting that, um, this was an attack. And, uh, so, the the messaging was just going out all over the place uh and and um you know we were slowly realizing that something that really hadn't happened in our lifetime was happening and it was certainly so tragic the uh Boston air traffic control was sending out alerts uh the air national guard um jets in Massachusetts were mobilized right away and as you heard from general harder earlier the uh vermont guard uh was um not only um being mobilized but they were they're a little bit ahead of the game they were they knew that this was serious and they were preparing for takeoff even before uh they they were actually ordered to do so um I've got Pete here, uh, and, uh, Pete, you, you were a, sort of a, you're a youngster, right? And I've got the, I've got a calculator up right now because I never can tell how old I am uh. in my past. So on September 11th, 2020, uh, 2001, I was nine years old. So I think I was in fourth grade at the time. So during that time, I just remember really, just sitting in class and it was scary. You knew something was going on because teachers were, kind of walking around or rushing down the hall and everything. I went to school in Colchester. And, um, you know, it's 
it's one of those things when you grow up in Chittenden County, you hear the jets flying. But that day it was unique because they were going super fast and it was wicked loud. So you knew something was up even when you were nine years old. So it was it was a weird time and it's even weirder getting older now and hearing when you talk to people that they I wasn't even born yet. So Yeah, yeah. And um did I, I don't remember the chronicle. I mm-hmm. think I had kids in school at the time, but or my son was in school. Were you released? Um I think we were because my mother is a teacher. She was also a teacher in Colchester, so I think we were released early, but I remember her picking me up and you know, it was it was a you know, I, I respect all the parents back then because they didn't know how to talk to you about it if you were younger kids. So it was hesitant in the car, but uh, eventually she said what was going on. But I just remember being was worried if my grandmother was OK or not, my, my father's mother. But, you know, it's for me, I became a firefighter when I was young in Colchester. I was a cadet at the Mounds Bay Fire Department. So all my life. 9-11 has been a big part because you learn in classes about what happened, what what should have happened, what's changed over time. So it has been a big part in my life. I'm no longer a firefighter, but um, I've learned quite a lot about it. So, Yeah, well, thank you for that. And, you know, you remind me of I was a Colchester boy, as a matter of mm-hmm. fact, and uh, sitting in the classroom back in uh, 1963, which – um, I can't even believe. Yeah. Uh, and the janitor comes to the door and he, of the classroom and he was, he was crying, somewhat crying. And he goes, the president has been shot. And it was just so remarkably dramatic. And I think that we soon were put on buses and sent home. And it was just this uh, unusual, you know, what is going on? Yeah. The unexpected. Uh, so it was the, and it's weird now because, you know, growing up, it was, you had a few breaks in between big historical incidents. Um, but now it just seems like there's something going on all the time. So it, it's, it's sad to see how some people become numb to these things and do forget about 9-11 or Pearl Harbor or anything that happened in the history of war. So yeah, the, the, the abnormal becomes the mm-hmm. normal, I think what you're saying. Yes. Uh, we're talking about 9-11 where we want to honor if somebody wants to give a call and uh, talk about their experience or um, maybe honor a loved one who, who they lost. We, we welcome that call at 802-244-1777. We're going to take a short break. This is Brad Furlan, WDEV, Vermont Viewpoint. And thank you, listeners. Good morning. It's Brad Furlan, your host on Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV here in Waterbury, Vermont, uh, historic Waterbury. My grandparents uh, lived here from way before I was born, and uh, my grandfather was a psychiatrist at the state hospital from the 20s until the 60s. So they had a house uh, right off of Randall Street, right on the uh, state hospital grounds. I was here a lot as a little kid wandering around. Uh, that was my normal in a in a uh, uh, in institution uh, world here that was part of Waterbury's fabric for uh, since you know early 1900 and and something. 
We're talking about, uh, oh, I want to just mention first the uh, coming up is uh, Bill Sayre, Common Sense Radio, our great friend Bill, and always topics of interest and uh, guests who boil down what's the, uh, you know, what's, what's the real world about something. Uh, my good friend, uh, Charlie Papillo is coming on at one o'clock and, uh, there's something about pumpkins, big pumpkins. So if you're interested in that, if you went to the Champlain Valley Fair, there were enormous pumpkins on display. And I believe that, uh, Maz's farm stand is doing that this month for an October or a September or October event where they bring in the giant pumpkins and they weigh them and it's, uh, quite exciting. And uh, there was a guest uh, who I don't think he made it on, uh, John from Waterbury, where they have a uh, they grow giant sunflowers here in Waterbury. And a lot of the area youth and probably adults, too, get to grow uh, sunflowers. So look for that. That sounds very exciting. And, of course, they're all the sunflowers are peaking now and. Funny thing about sunflowers is they follow the sun. They be in the garden and they kind of look around and see where the sun is at. We have been talking about uh, the 9/11, the event that happened, of course, in 2001, uh, the an attack really on on America, which was unprecedented uh, except before with uh, Pearl Harbor. And uh, Pearl Harbor um, had enormous losses, uh, 2,403 uh, personnel, including 68 civilians, uh, and damage to 19 U.S. naval ships, including eight battleships. Uh, so it was – and then uh, 9-11, there were – 2,997 losses of, of uh, people from our own, you know, from the United States and, and 19 hijackers lost their lives as well in this, in the terrorist attack. If you've got a, uh, a story or you remember something about 9-11 that you want to share, uh, give us a call, 802-244-1777. We were talking earlier with General Henry Harder, who was uh, a pilot, uh, an F-16 pilot, came back to Vermont from being uh, in, in meetings out of state. A number of his colleagues uh, were in the air and were called back to uh, Vermont or, or called back to, to the base by the uh, air traffic controller and uh, – Thus began uh, a mission of uh, 122 straight days of flying over New York City. I want to go to the phone lines, though, and welcome Catherine from Moortown to the show. Welcome, Catherine. Brad, I'm glad you're doing this show, and I'm surprised that your phone isn't ringing right off the hook. Well, I'm glad you're here. Is it remember it or what? I, I don't know. It was getting lonely in here, so at least there's you, Catherine. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure there's more than just me listening, but I don't. I wonder if people are too old. I mean, anyway, here's what I want to share. I had a niece that worked right across from the towers, and she had just arrived at work, 
and they told her not to hang up her coat. They needed to run. And so she would be in that group of people that you saw running out of the city. Oh, wow. Um, Oh, wow is right. And I called her this morning, and she said she's over the trauma of it pretty much. So they were the the picture I remember is them sort of running across a small bridge or roadway. Is that right? Just desperately running for The other part I want to share is we were on vacation, and farmers don't go on vacation, but we were up in Maine for a couple of days up in Ogunquit, right near where that plane took off. Oh, wow. And we got back after breakfast. It was a little after 9, and I turned on the TV, and there, there was this horror show on TV. But the horror show was them showing the planes crashing, and I said to my husband, why in the name of time would they have that on at this time of day? Yeah, yeah, and it and was then, real. And then as it unfolded, of course, you sat glued to the TV because it was so unreal. And what? where did your niece run to? She's leaving where she works, and she's running on the road. Where did she go? I, I don't honestly know, but I think they were just plain running out of the city. Yeah. Yeah, she, she, she sure didn't run home because she lived in Long Beach. Right. (laughs) But anyway, she was running out of the city, but that's a good question I'll ask her when I'm talking to her again. Yeah, yeah. Where did they run to? Because I think they were just plain running. And you came back from Maine and and then pretty much... We came back from from breakfast. We were still in Maine. We came back from breakfast, and I turned on the TV, and there was this... I thought, horror show, shoot 'em up show. Wow. They have that on at this time of day. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned farming. Are you uh, still active farming? or? Um, we are active farming, but our farm is leased, and my grandson's going to come down here and farm. Wow. And so dairy, or what are you? Yeah, dairy. Yeah. He has a farm up in Peachum. Okay. And he's milking cows. And having a, having a hard time getting help. Yeah, that's what I understand. They show up, and then they don't show up, and you still got all that work to do. Yeah, uh, <laughs> cows don't care if they're they they need to be milked regardless, right? Oh, honest, you got to have a strong heart and a strong will. Yeah, and do you have Holsteins or what do you have? Yeah, yeah, he has Holsteins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we were in dairy for a long time but he's going to come down here and farm i don't know when because his corn got all wiped out this year you know when everybody talks about disaster yeah a whole corn crop and think of a cow a barn full of hungry cows well i didn't drive through moortown but i did drive through uh cambridge right after the flooding and i have i'm a lifelong vermonter and i've never seen a cornfield Devastated, um, this squ- ugly green mush. Oh my! And and you just think of—I mean, the project is going to be to clean up the trash and everything that's in it, and the flat tires. And but it's ongoing, and it's wor- this year. It was worse twenty. It was worse than twenty eleven. Yeah. 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 
Well, All ca- right, I'll get off the phone so somebody else can call. Well, we welcome callers. Catherine, thank you. You're my rescue uh, farmer helper person. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear about your sheep and your grazing. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. That's, that's special. Um, we were just talking with Catherine. Her niece was uh, one of the people you saw in the famous video of running out of New York City. They were, it was so dramatic. Uh, we have, uh, we have a couple minutes left. If you want to add into the show, uh, we, you know, I'd welcome a call about 9-11. Uh, we had a great talk with, uh, General Harder earlier, um, America was under attack. You know, that was, it was something that was so different for the Vermont Air National Guard. They were used to um, being deployed um, militarily out of the country. And this was being deployed in the country. They're certainly deployed in Vermont for floods and for uh, COVID. They were instrumental. Uh, we've got Shirley on the line. Welcome, Shirley. We've got about a minute left. Can you help us? Shirley, are you there? Uh, nope. I think we lost Shirley. Um, we are, uh, the, the one thing that, uh, we didn't talk about today was how it impacted the, uh, flying and, uh, the security of of uh, going through airports, everybody is quite familiar with who flies now. The the liquid limitations. Uh, I lost uh, two precious Swiss Army knives that I always carried with me that I thought I could gate check, and found out that on at least a couple flights there was no gate checking when I was heading out and. You either get out of line and leave the airport and uh, put your knife back in your car or you lose it. And uh, you know what? It was okay because I'd rather have a safe flight than a, than a Swiss Army knife. And uh, so the uh, – but we do know that um, it certainly changed uh, the, the whole airline industry. And it really changed the Vermont Air National Guard from being a uh, um, – more part-time uh, weekend warrior kind of thing and uh, so they uh, uh, you know life changed after September 11th. I want to thank uh, my guest today for talking uh, about this this hard uh, event and I hope everything goes well for you the listeners today uh, Monday that uh, you had a good weekend and you're going to have a good week ahead. Uh, next week, I'll be talking with uh, uh, Sana from Stowe. Uh, it's a uh, rehab that uh, is helping people get um, back on track um, from addiction, and uh, that'll be an exciting and and more. This is Brad Furlan. It's Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV. Thank you, listeners. We can't do radio without you. <laughs>